0: We have a phone number for you if you want to weigh in on any of the cases that we're following for you. So we'd love to hear from you. The phone number is 888-554-5537. That's 888 554-5537. Easier to remember by 8885 killer if you uh, want to remember that with the digits on your telephone. It's Tony and Stacy with you. Uh yeah, let's uh, let's jump into one of these calls and see what uh, folks want to talk about. There's been so many things uh, lately from Daybells to uh, you name it. Let's uh, hear this one. Hi.
2: Katie and my name's Katie and I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. And I've been listening to your podcast following the Lori Daybell trial. And I just had a couple of thoughts. So I definitely don't think that it has been overkill. I think that the prosecution has done an amazing job looking at all the details that could possibly incriminate her and her co-conspirators. Um, I have been troubled really by a lot of the friends around them, so-called friends that have sort of enabled this whole process. I know that probably none of them could imagine that, um, that they were, anybody was going to get killed or especially the children, of course. But um, I just, I, as somebody who is a believer in God and, um, you know, I've, I've gone to church throughout my life and, you know, I could never see myself going to that extreme. I could never see myself letting a man come into my life and ever convince me that my children were obstacles and zombies and that Mm -hmm. they needed to be gotten rid of. Um, So I definitely think and do believe that there is a mental health um, crutch, if you will, within Lori Daybell's mind. Um, I do think she was sound mind enough to do all the planning, but I do think that her obsession with her religion and then her obsession with Chad um, definitely led her down a dark path. I don't see um, any of this happening had he not even come into her life. Um, but I do fully still blame her. I think that she should be held accountable for what she's done. And I hope that the jury sees that and convicts her. Thanks for having me.
0: Bye-bye. I think that voicemail was left like right before the jury came back. Uh, And obviously, yes, she was found guilty, but what about that? What about all those friends that spoke up in that trial? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I tell me your thoughts on this. I'm going to flip the question around on you. If you had a friend who was telling you stories about your kids being possessed by a zombie or, you know, what level they're at, you know, they're at a one on the zombie scale or whatever. What would you do in that case? Would you, would you say something? Would you just watch it kind of happen and unfold and see all these deaths in the family and just sit by or, you know, were the friends actually sucked in and believing some of it as well?
0: I think it's a little bit of all of the above with what actually happened. I mean, I think most of us would say, oh, we wouldn't go down that road. I I couldn't believe that. The thing is, people like this, it's a slow build. It, it wasn't just, hey, by the way, I'm Chad. Your children are zombies. Let's leave. I, I, it was a slow relationship that kind of started with some doomsday stuff. It got deeper and deeper. And then I think Lori expressed where she wanted to live and what she wanted to and I think Chad saw well. How do I get from point A to point B with her? Uh, and oh, she really kind of believes a little bit of this, a little bit of that. What it, I think he kind of kept pushing the envelope on what she would believe and what she'd go along with. I think she interjected her own bullshit to it as well. And I think he's like, oh, he's feeding me stuff, and it it went that far. But the friends, the friends that aren't there, that aren't part of the money, sex. And uh, lies, they're just bystanders. I don't know how you sit by and just watch this sort of thing take place Mm -hmm. unless you're a complete fucking idiot. Uh, And I think some of these people in her lives were complete fucking idiots. Um, That's what it sounds like. I mean, you you just listen to some of their testimony and what... They're very fragile people and, and very easy to manipulate. And I wouldn't be surprised if before some of these people die of old age that they will be involved with another group or another person or somebody that is going to take them down a dark path. Um, Unfortunately, there's just people like that out there. It doesn't inherently make them bad or evil, but they can become pawns in an evil scheme fairly easily. And, and I think that's what happened with some of these, these individuals, um, there's there's some where they certainly did know that people were dying or that yes. death was being talked about and they would go along with it to a certain extent. And to say you didn't think it was going to happen. I don't know. Just look at her. Look at her past a little bit. There's a lot of death that's surrounding Lori Vallow more than most people.
1: Well, and didn't one of one of the friends wasn't she threatened as well?
0: That was the allegation that she made in court. Of all the testimonies, that's one that I think a lot of people look at and go, Are you serious? Are you sure? When I heard her testimony and her speaking, I believed her when I just read about it. I didn't. It just it seemed completely out of character for Lori. And because okay. Lori usually speaks, she's not like, I'm gonna kill you. Uh, and chop you up, which is the way that this woman made it sound. She's very veiled on it. It's very much, you know, there's a zombie, there's evil spirits, and uh, we have to do this. It was never like flat out, let's cut up the kids. It was always code to a certain extent. Not very deep code, very easy to decipher code, but it was code. So to say that Lori said those things, yeah, it's a possibility. She's nuts. Uh, could she, you know, come in and out of character? Sure, she probably could. Maybe that was a moment of it. But I don't know what you, but if I had a friend that came up to me and said that they were, you know, I think your kids are are zombies or if my my significant other, my fiance, you know, if if she were to start saying that to me, I'd be like, I'm out, you know, and I'd be like protecting my kids too. It'd be nothing that I would stick around to find out what the hell they mean. Because you know something is wrong. You know, I think you offer, you know, help. But at, people like this, they don't want help. They don't think anything is wrong. The best thing to do would just be to get out of the situation, get away, cut those people out of your life as quickly as you can. And if they are threatening things, report them, report them that's to the, the authority. other
1: piece of this, Tony, that that's kind of driving me nuts. There are a lot of people around this family and seeing all of this death and seeing, you know, kids who you have not seen in months. Mm-hmm and it just it seems like nobody ever did anything nobody said anything nobody raised their hand and said you know well other than the grandparents yeah. um for you know obvious reasons but it seems very odd that the neighbors the friends nobody really said anything and are are these people just doormats and they just go about their life and and there's no accountability or do they, you know, and they just watch everything happen that even if it's bad, well, that's not in my business.
0: I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say that there's fear involved and maybe that, you know, I was afraid for my own. I don't know. I, I don't really buy that with some of these adults, although there were adults getting knocked off left and right. Uh, right. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose that could be part of it. But when the kids are missing for that long, and they they were just believing whatever Lori said, and keep in mind they viewed Chad as this spiritual leader, uh, yeah. this prophet, even not just a leader. You think of a ch- like a pastor as a leader. They they look at him as a prophet. He was having direct conversations with God, according to him. And well, so and was thing, it's
1: only because he said he was nobody yeah. had any proof.
0: Well, and then these people, they're, they're seeking something. Cause we talk about cults and we just did, uh, they're seeking something. And then you get this guy that's saying, Oh, you in your past life, you were this person and you were, you were, I was buddies with Jesus. You were too. And just insane shit. But when they're so empty, And so needing something in their lives, that's how you get a cult to start and to work. And that's what we had the beginnings of with Chad and Lori Daybell. You had cult members, basically, that were in the process of being brainwashed, volunteering to be brainwashed, saying, hey, I need something fulfilling over here. You seem to be kind of giving it to me. And and they went along with it it's easy, I think, on the outside to say one wouldn't be able to fall into this. It's not usually a ton of dumb people that fall into cults, although sometimes it is. Um, yeah. In this case, I don't think he was a very sophisticated cult leader. There was no, uh, I think, clear path to to fund any of this or to make money other than collect insurance. Typically, you you need some sort of way of funding or having your members do work for you for little to nothing. Um, And we didn't see any of that. At least it didn't get that far yet. I think it could have uh, had um, maybe Kay and Larry Woodcock uh, not spoken up and said, where the hell are the grandkids? Because not many other people were raising their hands.
1: Yeah, and I think that was the downfall was the missing kids. I think they could have kept this going for quite some time, but somebody noticed the kids were missing. Somebody on the outside that actually said something's not right here, whereas the rest of the people just kind of, eh, whatever. I'm minding
0: my own business. I'm minding my own business. I want my salvation and Chad apparently is going to give it to me. Yeah. Uh 8885 killer is the phone number 8885545537 to weigh in. Hi, let's hear your
3: Hi, my name's Carmen. I'm calling from Washington, D.C. And I had one thought about Lori Vallow Daybell and her case. Um, a lot of the media calls her the doomsday cult mom, murder, or something like that. But um, I wish they would use the term family annihilator because that's mm. literally what those two did. They annihilated almost an entire family. Um, And there are a lot of experts uh, who talk about that, and they talk about coercive control. I think those are interesting aspects of that case to get into. So maybe you have. You have so many podcasts, I'm not caught up on all of them. But um, anyway, that's just my two cents. Have a great day. Bye.
0: Yeah, actually, um, you're exactly right. Family Annihilator is a accurate term. There's an interview I have with Jennifer uh, former FBI, uh, later in the day uh, here on the podcast feed, and we actually do get into that a bit. And she makes a good point about not only Family Annihilator, which we saw with Alec Murdoch, but serial killer, because yeah. she now fits the FBI definition of being a serial killer she's killed 3 or more people uh and, and that's
1: their definition.
0: Yes, and now she's going into uh the possible uh the attempted murder on Brandon Boudreaux. She's she's now uh they're they're going to extradite her back to uh Utah, Arizona, I believe, for that. They're going to extradite her back for the uh murder of her uh husband Charles Vallo. That's going to be another trial. Uh so there we got 5 Uh, And who knows who else? I'm curious about her sister that died way back in the day uh, of really weird causes. Uh, And Mm -hmm. God knows who else. We only really know the detailed story of Lori Vallow for like the last five years or so. I want to know about the other years while she was married to all these other guys. We never really... And there's some that are still alive, but they've never spoken up. They've never really said much. There's family members of... Uh, of Lori who don't talk, who haven't really said anything. Um, I I think there's more bodies buried, uh, quite honestly. Uh, maybe not always you know, directly, because I don't think she necessarily was there digging the graves, but I think she's had the people, her brother Alex and God knows who else, that she's manipulated over the years that know where more bodies are buried if they haven't already been eliminated as well.
1: And this was her fifth husband, right? Chad was the fifth? I believe so. Wow. So there's, we know at least one that's dead, correct?
0: There's more than one that's dead. Yeah. Oh Uh, boy. So it's, it, it, yeah, I, I'd be curious to hear uh, from anyone else about uh, that other span of time. The same with Alec Murdoch. I look at that case too and I go, there's, there's more to this than, than meets the eye. And we continue to find those things out. Uh, Let's do one more phone call before we wrap it up. And again, our phone number, if you want to weigh in uh, for tomorrow's show to talk about anything, it's 888-554-5537, 8885-KILLER. Every single uh, weekday, Monday through Friday, we are dropping Murder in the Morning episodes for you here on this podcast feed, as well as its own exclusive podcast feed. If you only want to follow Murder in the Morning, search for that and uh, you can uh, subscribe there and uh, get access to all that. Let's go to this phone call. Hi.
3: Hi, Stacy and Tony. This is Wendy from Ohio. Um, I just got done listening to your Corey Richens story about the mm. mother who supposedly killed her husband and wrote a children's book. Um, extremely disturbing. Um, the thought that right away, it takes forever to write a book and to do it within a year. And the thought of having a party... I yeah. my I lost my husband seven years ago and it took everything I had to stay together for my kids. I have three kids and I'm still seven years later still trying to pick up the pieces. So I love your guys' work. Um keep keep up the good work and it's just disturbing. Um hopefully they catch her and Put her behind bars and I just feel for the children. Thank you. Um have a nice day. Thank you.
1: Bye.
0: Yeah. Uh that's another Wendy, one. sorry
1: for your loss too. That's I mean, that's that's paramount. Um to, sure. to share her story. That was very kind.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Uh yeah, that's another story we're following closely, the Corey Richens uh case. I just had a very interesting conversation today. Uh, with a, uh, body language expert. Uh, and that interview is going to be airing. I'm looking at my calendar right now. Uh, 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 Susan is going to be on, on Thursday. Uh, Thursday, we're going to talk about Daybell. We're going to talk about on Friday, Friday afternoon, around four o'clock on the podcast feed, uh, Susan's, uh, conversation uh, with me is going to be coming out. Uh, Susan is an expert, uh, in, uh, this sort of stuff and uh, Susan Constantine, her name, by the way. Uh, and she had some interesting insight about that television interview that, uh, that Corey did promoting her book, oh. the, are you still with me book, which creepily on a cloud has like a caricature of her dead husband looking down on a child running through a field. Uh, <laughs> it's like, That's so wrong. It's like, so like, terrible. Like, were you part of the artwork on this? Uh, but in, in the interview, she she rationalizes so many things. She rationalizes, you know, he's not really gone. I just keep telling the kids that, you know, like we're going for a walk. He's there with you, and this and that. And
1: but he's not. But he's
0: not. I, 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 yeah, I, I hate when when someone's grieving. Everyone grieves differently, obviously. And maybe some people feel comfort in hearing, like, "Oh, they're still with you." I don't. I'm no. like, no, they're dead. They're not still with me. If they were still with me, they'd be here right now. Now, you know, in spirit, the things they taught me and they learned. Am I going to carry that on? Sure, but don't push bullshit at me. That's not real. Um, and I think you know, you got to say what you need to say to kids to help them get through things. And and to a certain extent, some of those things. Um, you know, are, are peaceful. There are aspects of life where I do look at that. I see a cardinal, I think of my grandpa. Sometimes I say, hi, grandpa, right. to the cardinal. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, do I think my grandpa is possessing the cardinal? No, I, I really don't. <laughs> Although that would be pretty cool. <laughs> like, uh, Considering one cardinal just likes to shit all over the side of my truck and sit on the mirror. <laughs> my grandpa... Grandpa
1: doesn't like the colored truck no, you got.
0: My grandpa... Only did that on Wednesdays. It wasn't a normal thing where he was shitting on the side of my truck. But Wednesdays, I'd go out like, "Grandpa, why are you shitting on the side of the truck?" And now he's doing Not it in bird form. I'm kidding. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was interesting. Uh, one of the things that uh, Susan had pointed out actually was the lack of body language that showed uh, like uh, someone hiding something uh, or remorse or guilt. And what she was pointing to there is her belief that there is a epidemic and a dramatic increase in sociopathic behavior in our society that people have been raised with and now allows them to not necessarily exhibit the signs that a lot of us are accustomed to see or some of the red flags that maybe some of us would have uh, noticed earlier on, uh, but so much so that it, it just goes missed Uh, you would have thought that maybe that was just a regular old PTA mom uh, talking about the death of her husband a year later on that morning show Uh, there wasn't a ton of things that made her look incriminating
1: it seems like such a disservice to her kids and to try to get away with with murder literally to not act upset I mean if she had acted more like a grieving widow I don't know if anybody would have suspected anything other than the the fact that he told his friends, you know, if something happens to me. You, you look to yeah. her, but she doesn't seem broken up about it at all. She just seems like she's talking about the, the you know, PTA picnic. Yeah. And, and, and
0: I, she's not. And there's elements I kind of get of that where it's like, okay, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it was a very happy marriage at the end from what we understand. And if your spouse dies truly of natural causes, you're going to be sad. But if you've already kind of checked out mentally a year or two earlier, um, you may not have that, oh, my God, my spouse is dead grief if you're in love with your spouse. Mm -hmm. But you would be there for your kids. And I think she's someone who is trying to play the role. She knew how she was supposed to act. She's one of these people who probably doesn't feel the emotions deep down. And doesn't is not capable of feeling some of those things. So she takes cues from other people and then acts that way. But there's always something a little bit off because the the initiation of that, the thing that actually gets that going, the steering of it, the gasoline is not there. It's someone always kind of pushing her in a certain direction or her taking a cue going, oh, yeah, I got to help my kids grieve with this. How do I do that? Uh, Let's look for some books about it. There's not many other... How about if I write my own book about it? That'll make me look less suspicious and like a wonderful mother because, look, I'm helping them grieve and I'm helping other kids cope too. This is a win-win-win and it makes me look lovely. Well, on the outside, everybody goes, look at her, how selfless she is. She's going through all this grief and yet she made a book that's not only helping her kids, but it's helping all these other kids out there. That's an amazing woman. When at the end of the day, it's all a ruse because she allegedly killed her husband with fentanyl. So, yeah.
1: It's a lot.
0: It it, it is. And it it just makes you more and more scared of the people (laughs) that we share this world with, because you never know who's going to do what and when.
1: And that's a true story. You know, how many people in your neighborhood maybe there's a, a story bubbling under the surface that you'll find out a year from now has been happening. You know, who knows? Uh, unhappy marriage is everywhere. And instead of leaving, they are scheming to find a way to get rid of their spouse.
0: That's why if you're in an unhappy marriage, never accept beverages or food from your spouse. Right. <laughs> Although that may be kind of difficult. Uh, no, honey, uh, I'm not eating again for the eighth day. Yeah. Morning. No, I, I got, I, all I'm doing is McDonald's, and by the way, your name's uh, no longer in the will. What? Put the gun what? down. Put the gun down. Yeah. It's scary, but it's real. From the Hit Killers Podcast,